Welcome, everyone. Um, welcome, those of you watching from home as well. Um, did anyone come with an artifact or something that represents their week? No, I'm just trying to gauge whether any of you brought anything. There's one or two. Oh, more than one or two. That is absolutely excellent. I'm so impressed. Um, for those of you who didn't, um, you were probably given a pencil on the way in and a post-it. And um, if you don't want to listen to my talk, you could doodle on that. You could even take notes, or better still, write something on it that represents an important thing about what you do in the week. And I suppose what we're trying to do today is to work out how our faith connects with that. So you can be doing that. At the end of my talk, uh, folks are going to be invited to come forward and put something in on the brick barrow. You'll have seen this before. Village sign, living stones, in and of the community, same theme. We're just sort of framing it in a slightly different way. And you'll be able to invite to stick your artifact, which you can take back after the service, or a post-it note, and I'll explain this later, but this is a way of committing our whole lives to God, whatever we do. Now, I get to do the Bible reading today. So, um, if you've got your Bible with you, a Bible app, or even need a Bible um, to follow the passage, we can bring Bibles to you, um, change it slightly. They should, they're normally on the way in, they're over to the side. If anyone would like a Bible to follow the Colossians reading, please stick your hand up now and John and others will bring it to you. Anyone want a Bible? Duncan would like a Bible over, yes. There's, there's a couple on this side. Um, so if you're feeling bereft of a Bible, you know what they look like, and they're going to be at the back of church or on the way in, and they're always in church. So I'll make it, um, I'll turn it over to be your responsibility. And some of you might not think you need a Bible, but you really do. So uh, we'll get one of those to you as well. The Bible passage, Colossians chapter 3. So it's from the New Testament. Chapter 3, starting to read at verse 15, and in most of the Bibles there's an index in the front if you're confused about what page to find Colossians on. It reads, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a tough message. Okay, the next bit, if you're reading ahead. But it only works if husbands behave themselves. Wives, I'm not speaking on this this morning. Wives, submit, to your hus- yeah, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Here we go. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Seen a few nods. Fathers, do not embitter your children, 
or they'll become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on, their eyes on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since that you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Let's pray. Lord, we know that your word is true. And we know, Lord, that we're meant to read, mark, inwardly digest, and by your grace and in your spirit live it out. Lord, would you give us a, a deep understanding of the passages that we're focusing on this morning and embrace these in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what you do matters to God. Whatever you do, the work of our hands, however small and insignificant it might seem to you, it matters to God. I've been thinking of um, people this applies to, of Roy, a retired butcher who used to cut the grass alongside um, some others that were more comfortable outside church than coming in. I think of a dental hygienist, Alison, a former church warden. She was also a gifted artist that people used to commission work from and a prayerful person. I've shared this before. And she, with others, used to knit blankets to give to parents of newborn babies as a symbol of God's love to wrap around them. I think of Peter, again, a former church warden. It's hard to get away from them. Um, in my sending church, a very wise and godly man with a servant heart who absolutely loved his day job. He used to work on the River Thames as a river policeman and was quite open in a natural way about his faith. Or Helen, a worship leader on Sunday who worked as a, a senior management level with the governor of a prison, um, induction restorative justice program staff training, and took her faith into the values of the courses they used to run. I think of Andy, who used to supply water cooling bottles and systems to various companies and couldn't keep his faith secret. And actually before the service, I don't want to embarrass anyone, I chatted to a few of you about what you do and asked the question, how does your faith translate? I believe that God's heart is that we would all have a godly significance in whatever we do. It gives meaning and purpose to our lives, whether we're in paid employment or not. There's godly significance in our daily tasks and activities, however great or small they are. Paul, in the letter to the Colossians I've just read to you, describes the kind of community God is calling us to be. But he makes it clear that we're not to be too inward focused and it's important to be introspective from time to time and get God to search our hearts, our minds, our souls. But here the perspective 
is more outward looking. Their daily lives and interactions are to be marked by love, faith, kindness, compassion, perseverance. I see a really strong connection with our purpose as a church community to encounter, celebrate and share God's transforming love wherever God places you in the week. I invite you just for a few moments, I find this hard, to imagine what it must have been like in first century Colossae. Christianity was probably perceived as a strange new religious sect. First century Christians were often ridiculed and put themselves in harm's way. They were under the influence of damaging cultural influences from outside the church and sadly from some false teaching within it. We too are guilty of blending religions, prevalent worldviews and philosophies that can obscure and pervert the gospel message. Such ideas took and take people away from connecting with Jesus. Early in the letter to the Colossians, there's a most powerful section, if you're looking it up, about the supremacy of Christ. That's actually quite a shocking thing to say then and now, that we think God in Christ is superior to any other deities. He's not one of many. He's the one and only true God. In the New Testament letter to the Romans, it teaches us that whatever we do, we shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus and his gospel because he has the power to transform the lives of everyone who believe in him. Trusting in Jesus Christ, the one and only true God, informs how we live, what we say and do in everyday living. What does it look like today for you to recognise Jesus as your Lord in everyday life, whether it be at school or at the office or maybe looking after grandchildren? Wherever we find ourselves, whoever we engage with and whatever we do, Jesus is Lord, he's supreme. Paul's here writing to the Colossians to encourage them to be peaceful, thankful, God-focused, accountable, a worshipful community, worship measured in words and song and action. What strikes me, that it doesn't focus uh, on seemingly, um, I suppose, unattainable, extraordinary acts, but actually about ordinary stuff of life too. How we conduct our relationships can be transformed and become truly extraordinary when we invite and recognise God's involvement. Everyday examples 
Uh, in the passage, some of these, marriage relationships, mutual self-giving love as our worship for the Lord. Godly parenting. We know that if you teach a child in the way it should go, in ways of love, if they grow up uh, knowing that they're loved, they're more likely to be able to replicate that faith and love in later life. Faithful service, how we do the ordinary stuff of life. Back to the church warden theme, I was looking at Andrew just then. I was told a few years ago, if you're looking for a new church warden, you could do a lot worse than notice who was moving the chairs in between services. Because we're looking for people that are just not wise, but have servant, humble hearts. Paul's also writing to slaves too, verse 22. Um, but for the, us, this can have a resonance with anyone who's in a role which you feel a little bit powerless to be able to shape or to be able to decide things. Literally, whatever we do can be a worship offering to the Lord. I've um, visited a few people in the week with my phone and I film them and I've asked two basic questions. What do you spend most of your time doing and how does God fit into your week? And it's, it's quite a challenging question actually and to be filmed and to be able to do it in a concise way is quite challenging. But we're going to hear now from Kim, from Brian, from Nikki, from Alexia, and Bob. Hi, and welcome. It's good to come and visit you. I'm just uh, doing a bit of a survey and asking people in the congregation uh, what they do, what they spend most of their time doing during the week. Um, well, Patrick, it's uh, an interesting question because um, about oh, three, four weeks ago, uh, I retired from my publishing company. Um, I'm, I'm still spending quite a bit of time on the computer, but the nice thing is, I mean, for example, yesterday, Les and I took the bus into Kingston, wandered around, bought a couple of things, had lunch, came back, really nice. Um, uh, last week, played a couple of rounds of golf, which was really nice. So in this time of transition, where do you see God fitting into all of this? Well, since actually, since I became a Christian, God has sort of fitted into pretty much everything. Um, so, you know, when I'm on the golf course, if I'm playing with, um, uh, well, particularly if I'm playing with a non-Christian, quite a few times, you know, uh, the, the concept of religion and God will come up and we have some interesting conversations. Um, but um, in terms of how I behave, how I conduct my business and how I conduct myself, um, that's very, very much um, dependent on how God would like me to behave. Hi, Brian. It's lovely to see you. Um, thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. I was just wondering if you could share with us what you do in everyday life. Well, I've now been retired from corporate life for a number of years, but that doesn't mean to say that life is still not quite busy. Um, we spend as much time as we can with our grandchildren. Um, I'm also a governor at the local primary school, at Claygate Primary School, and involved in other community uh, activities as well. How does your faith inspire or help you with what you do? 
Well, hopefully what I display through my faith gives people a feeling of a recognition of Jesus within me. Are there particular moments in life where you think that your faith has really helped you with everyday life? Yeah, well, our faith certainly helped us as a family when we lost our son and uh, under support of the church um, and our home group in particular gave us at that point in time. So um, that is one particular experience we will never forget. Hi, Nikki. It's wonderful to see you and visit you at your place of work. Uh, would you be able to say a little bit about what you do in everyday life? Well, I work as a teacher in a highly pressurised school. Um, I've been working here for a long number of years, um, but I also um, am, am responsible for my um, husband. I have caring responsibilities for my husband that are um, fairly recent. Um, and I'm having to now learn to juggle um, doing what's best for him and um, maintaining my professionalism and my responsibilities at school. Tell me a little bit about how faith helps you, whatever you're doing in everyday life. So um, my everyday life has become more and more action-packed as I've tried to um, keep everything going. Um, and sometimes I feel like it's I'm going to fall over. Um, it's too much. But remembering that God is there has become more and more important to me so that I can just reach out and know that he will uphold me when things seem overwhelming. And often they do. But um, I take a breath. I, even in the busy environment of school, there's space and time to sometimes just be quiet and remember the bigger picture. Um, we get very caught up in the details of things, but um, just taking time to talk to a colleague and listen to their concerns um, puts everything into a better perspective. And when I get home and I feel that I haven't got the strength and the energy to do everything I need to for Charlie, then again, I just talk to God and hear him encourage me to be um, the sort of person that Charlie needs me to be. Hi Alexia, lovely to see you. Um, tell me a little bit uh, about everyday life and how this might have changed over the years. Um, well, I am a mum. I have two children, Jono eight and Clara three, and a wife to Bob. Um, so currently I'm a mum and a housewife, but before that I was a solicitor. Um, I practiced probably about 15 years. So how does, um, how does faith fit into your everyday life? Well, with faith is hugely important to me, um, but with two relatively young children, it's uh, lots of pulls in lots of different directions. So in all honesty, I think I probably struggle to give God the time that he deserves and that I want and need to give him. Um, but I think for me in my week, my, my anchor is my small group. Um, we're a group of mums who meet on a Wednesday and we read the Bible together and study and pray. And that is a locked down, protected time for me because that's when I can really devote time without any other distraction to God. Um, so that's a crucial part of my week. Um, but in everyday 
life, I think, with my children, my faith has grown. Um, my son loves to read the Bible stories. He has lots of questions, often quite challenging ones. Um, as a family, we give thanks before we eat. Um, and I think we try to just bring a Christian perspective into any challenges that the children might be facing. Sort of ask, what would Jesus do? Or can we pray for this person? What might be a good prayer? Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. So for me to instill that in my children as an everyday at this age is really important because I think as we get older and life gets fuller and more complicated, it does get more challenging. My, my front lines are at home where I'm a husband to Alexia and together we are parents to Jono and Clara. And my other front line is in the working week where I'm a private equity manager for a pension scheme where we manage the pensions and invest on behalf of university staff. So where is God in my working front line? He's, he's everywhere, but that doesn't mean I always look for him and being a Christian at work can be a challenge. I hope I let God into my front line by being open and matter of fact about being a member of a church community and not having two heads. I hope I let God into my front line when I have to have difficult conversations and he helps me to be fair, honest and think of others when delivering those difficult messages. And I really know God and the Holy Spirit are um, on my front line when I fall short in my role and I need to make amends. I often have to fix relationships I've damaged and eat, eat a big dose of humble pie. But when that happens, I have a strong sense the Holy Spirit is working in me to make amends. And I often find those damaged relationships can emerge stronger if I let God in to guide me. And there are many aspects of my working life where I struggle to be a Christian and not let others take advantage of me. But I try hard to remember that's between them and God. It's not between me and them. Thank you um, to those that were brave enough to be filmed. It covers quite a lot of aspects of life, you know, the different testimonies, and I'm going to be wanting to get a few more people to share their stories, because I think this is quite powerful. We can read about faith, and we can read about faith in, in our Bibles, and that's really important, but um, I think God's as, if not more interested in how we, we live it out in ordinary, everyday lives. Um, one of um, our five values is to be uh, distinctive daily disciples of Jesus. And um, it's obviously vital how we apply that in everyday life with everyday faith. Um, we can't divide our lives into sacred bits and secular bits or Sundays from the other six days of the week. Deep down, we need to be the same person every day. Bob sort of referred to this, serving the one and living God. Yes, we may need to adapt what we do in our different roles. Um, some of you might be in positions of influence, like if we go in and do assemblies in school, um, we've got to be quite careful about how we do it. We communicate the message, but you communicate it in a slightly different way that's not too coercive. Maybe you're a medical professional. You've got to be quite careful about what to do. But actually, when people ask us about our faith and what motivates us, 
And, and they often don't, and they're not interested, but sometimes they do. We are, have got permission to say, this is what it means to me. You have got permission to say, would you mind if I prayed for that situation? And I've not come across anyone that I've offered uh, to pray a blessing over them or their family or their home that would turn that away. You matter to God. What you do matters to God. Whatever you do is repeated a couple of times in the Colossians passage. Whatever we do, whether it's here singing on Sunday and gathering for worship or whether it's scattered and serving in the wider community, interesting map at the back of church that you've been putting your red dots on where you are, massive impact if we all are faithful and just recognise that God's with us. We read that there's special significance and grace for those who feel trapped in what they're doing. See the mention in verse 23 of slavery. We've heard some appalling stories throughout the ages of slavery from the past, but it happens today as well. Maybe in slightly more hidden ways, the sex trade, sweatshops, factories, nail bars, some car washes have been investigated. I find it inspiring to hear stories of Christians coping in less than ideal situations, maybe films or stories of those in slavery who've overcome. There's loads of songs being written, not just in the Psalms, but even in popular music of people crying out to God for mercy, asking for him to deliver them. Our godly witness is more powerful when life is hard. Jesus gives us the perfect example. Some Christians fail to see that what they do matters. They live with the sense of this sacred and secular divide. I hear too many stories from church people who seem, and not many here actually, that seem to compartmentalise their lives in that way. And whether you feel it or not, that is completely a wrong perspective for whatever we do, whether it's in our gathered worship or our scattered everyday lives, it all matters and has significance to God. I've got two very brief points, um, teaching points from the Bible passage. So the first one's from verse 17. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. And the second is from verse 23. Again, this refrain, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Firstly, whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. We're each called to be Christ's ambassadors. It's a big word to represent him in what we say and do in everyday life. Um, it's quite a big responsibility at one level but it's an amazing privilege at another level. And to think that Christ in me has authority and influence, me going into a situation, you going into a situation, it's as if Christ is there in their midst. Really hard to get your head around that, but you have to take my word for it. That is true, and that's what the Bible teaches us. What an honour. Christ in you, having impact wherever you go. 
We're called to be ambassadors of faith, hope, and love. We're called to be Jesus to others in what we say and what we do, but also maybe in what we don't say and don't do. This principle can be applied to everyday living, to parenting, to friendships, to business dealings, social settings, and shopping in the co-op. The co-op's got quite a big mention recently on social media, I think. We love the co-op. What does it mean to you to do your daily tasks, your work, in Jesus' name? What does this actually mean to you? Um, sorry to repeat this. Um, I don't know who's heard a bit of my testimony, but some of you will know that I used to, eons ago, work in the city, um, buying and selling. Um, it was oil, but it involved lots and lots of money. And when I became a, a Christian, I was sort of puzzling about how, how all this aligned. And I've not had very many of these moments in my life. I thought God might whisk me off on the cloud and do something different. I thought I might be called to ordination, but really didn't want to be. But I can remember very distinctly walking around St. Catherine's Dock and just hearing, you're just the most overpaid missionary in the city. Get on with it. And just thinking about it, the privilege. If anyone wanted to be a missionary in the gas oil trading pit, they wouldn't have been allowed in. <laughs> uh, they would have been probably brutalised, certainly um, with the language that people used. But I got to be there and got to be there for quite a few years, uh, living out my faith in an unashamed way as a Christian. And I know it had an impact. The second point, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Wholehearted service of God. I think it's a gift. Do you think we can try harder to be wholehearted? think you can try harder to love? Well, maybe we can create the conditions to be more wholehearted and more loving. But I think this is something that's born out of our relationship with God. And we will wholeheartedly serve him as we learn how wholeheartedly he loves us and is for us. It's not possible without his help. There's a temptation to compare, to be resentful, to be judgmental, unforgiving, selfish, mean-spirited, even feel sorry for ourselves and our lot in life, overwhelmed and even defeated at times. But the teaching today is a strong challenge to those of us who um, mistakenly, I would argue, no judgment here, compartmentalise our lives too much. God invites us to receive his wholehearted love and a wholehearted, whole life response. Jesus wants to be Lord of all our life, not just the bits we feel like giving him. He wants to use us to extend his kingdom influence everywhere, every day. As Christians, there's a promise that there is meaning and purpose in daily living reading earlier from Colossians 3, if you've got your Bibles. Uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love, love, God's transforming love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What work do you, do I need to do, or ask God to do, ask God to do, and to be more wholehearted in accepting our calling and serving Jesus, whatever you do in everyday life? Another question takes it away from us. How might God be calling you to help people who are looked down on or think that they, what they do has of little or no significance in terms of godliness or kingdom perspective? How do we help them to have a more accurate, um, godly self-appraisal of themselves? As we've heard, Paul subverts the slave-owner relationship by helping slaves to see that they are actually working for the Lord, not just for their owners. As they work with all their hearts, it becomes an act of worship. They are serving the Lord. I really believe there's um, godly significance in our daily tasks and activities. And I also believe that as you come to realise this, it has a truly transforming and empowering effect. It's like a revelation, like when I was walking around St Catherine's Dock. Has, has the Lord made clear to you how significant your daily living is? Whatever you do, the work of your hands, however small or insignificant it may seem, it does matter to God. Now, I'd like to comment, and you can later maybe in your small groups, about some of the um, testimonies that we've heard. If you're in a small group, can I encourage you to get some testimonies out of other people as well? What do you do in your daily living? Where does God fit in? Tom asked himself a question. Was that a lightsaber that you produced? It was something that looked remarkably like a lightsaber. There's a lot of lightsaber envy or whatever envy going on here. I thought it wasn't fair to mention this without um, doing it myself. So there is a theme, and it is dog collars, okay, in everyday living. So um, I occasionally um, wear this shirt. And the reason I'm choosing this, it's more often I'm wearing it when I'm on a sort of a front line. So it, next week, um, at the remembrance service, when there's loads of people out there um, that maybe don't come to the church, are probably wearing the dog collar and you're hoping and praying that we say something, I say something, or pray something of godly significance that folks might encounter the living God. I was at a funeral this week wearing this shirt, high hopes that what I shared as part of my very, very short message would cut straight to the heart of those people who were listening. So dog collar, there's a theme. Another front line, another dog collar. Diggy's grown out of this one now, um, but he used to wear this. Um, this is a little bit of a challenge for me because Diggy is a dog, and dogs do what dogs do, and they don't always do what owners do. And my front line out in the community, it means that I meet lots of people. And I don't want Diggy the dog to 
terrorise anyone else's precious dog. And I want them to be friendly conversations. And most people don't know, and I don't make it very clear that I'm the vicar of Claygate. I'm not quite sure that would do for numbers around here. But I do have some really interesting conversations with people. I'm told, and we had this when we had a baby, if you have a dog or a baby, people seem to talk to you. Some people run a mile, though. Don't worry about that. Anyway, I just like us, just as a a response to our worship now, if you've got a post-it note or an artefact, you're getting out of the seat and bringing it to the front will be your attempt uh, to give your whole lives in wholehearted worship to God with his help. So I'm going to hand over to Tom. I'm going to hand over to uh, the worship group. And just to think about this, Maybe this morning you need to pray for, and I think it is a revelation that what you do in everyday life, even the ordinary stuff, has extraordinary significance if surrendered to God.